What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of The Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill, crowdsourcing technical communication. Folk working in technical communication, whether they're academics or practitioners, through their own unique skill sets, perspectives, and experiences, often discover best practices to excel at their job. These hard-earned insights would likely benefit others facing similar challenges. However, silos often keep folk in techcom from quickly disseminating what they've learned. That's why Dr. Chris Lamb, technical communication professor at the University of North Texas, created Crowdsource TPC, a crowdsource platform that gives folk in techcom an opportunity to share their insights and little wins, giving others an opportunity to use and adapt them for their own needs. In this episode, Chris joins us on the podcast to discuss the inspiration behind Crowdsource TPC and how you, the listener, can make the most of the platform. Big love to Knowledge Owl, a wonderful knowledge-based software for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Writer, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hey there, Chris. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing well, thank you. How's life in Denton? Denton is great. Um, nice. It's a good place to be, always. Are you in your office right now at UNT? I am at I office out of Stoke part-time. Oh, fantastic. So they have a um, soundproof phone booth, and so I'm in a soundproof, soundproof phone booth right now. Wow. How cool is that? If you were still at the office, I was going to say that I'm just one block from you. My partner and I just moved into the old Cups and Crepes house on Fry Street in between Oak and Scripture. So I was going to say we can get a little coffee after a short walk for the two of us, but you're out of Stoke today, which is just fine. Still a good place to be at. Yeah. Well, Chris, so excited to be chatting today. We have a great skill to discuss together. And that is crowdsourcing technical communication. So this concept of, you know, folk in the tech com industry, you know, sharing their hard-earned insights and resources that they've seen work well in their own environments with fellow tech writers. This creating this, you know, fantastic learning environment where, you know, everyone at tech com, whether they're, you know, working in academia or maybe on the industry side of it can share these tips with one another. Um, it's a fantastic platform. Super excited to talk more about it. To get us started, I want to start with learning a little bit more about you, Chris, or giving our listeners a chance to learn more about you. I know um, we've been buds for a bit. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the techcom field? So techcom, I started in techcom in 2006. Um, mostly, uh, just through curiosity, uh, went to grad school because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and 
TechCom seemed like a good place to start. Um, so I've got some background um, in information design. I have a master's degree in information design. Um, and I went on to do uh, my PhD in technical communication. Um, so primarily been an academic um, since 2011. Um, work for University of North Texas. Um, and uh, sort of on the more practitioner side, um, I've done quite a bit of just uh, dabbling with freelance in, in a variety of different different areas in TechCom. Nice. Uh, so some, some instructional design, um, some technical editing, uh, some grant, grant and proposal writing. Um, and then primarily what I've been doing uh, mostly recently is web design and web development. Um, so sort of adjacent to TechCom, but still related, certainly. Yeah. I wasn't aware of just the generous mix that you had in relation to the TechCom field. Of course, I know you're a professor. Um, I was in your web design class back in the day, but I didn't realize that you're also messing with some grant writing, getting involved in some freelance work. That's fantastic. Was it this mix that you had in the tech comp field? Um, did that partially inspire you to put together this repository that we're going to talk more about today? Just realizing all the different, you know, gaps and maybe struggles that people face in the tech comp field. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, um, just having touched a variety of um, industries with a variety of job roles, producing a variety of deliverables, um, yeah. just knowing how sort of diverse the um, the skill sets, the tools, the knowledge you need to do one thing from one thing to the next. Um, sure. Yeah. So that that definitely had that definitely played into um, sort of how we conceptualized the the repository. Well, let's talk more about the repository. It is called Crowdsource TPC. And before I go any further, if folk maybe want to have this website up while we're going through the podcast, what, what's the URL real quick, Chris? It's Crowdsource. If you have it top of mind. Yep. It's Crowdsource-TPC.com. Perfect. Crowdsource-TPC.com. Um, you just hinted a little bit about you know the observations you had working in TechCom, several different varieties in this field and how that inspired you then to pursuing this um, repository that you put together. I'm curious, was there like a recurring theme that you observed working in all of these different kind of facets of the industry that inspired you to start this project? Yeah, I mean, part of it, uh, and this is also from my experience teaching as well, um, is I found myself oftentimes uh, reinventing the wheel when it didn't need to be reinvented. Um, mm. So oftentimes I would, uh, so for example, uh, some of the grant and proposal writing I've done, um, start with a blank slate, uh, like literally start with open up Microsoft Word and, and start. Sure. Uh, and so that's incredibly inefficient uh, way of, uh, of doing any kind of writing. Um, mm-hmm. But in particular, um, some of these more genre-based uh, templated um, uh, genres of tech writing um, would benefit just from some, you know, skeleton or template templated resources. So it sort of started as a um, selfish endeavor to have like 
I know that I do X, Y, and Z. I know that I create um, user personas, uh, you know, for 60% of the web projects I, I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I should probably have a starting place that's going to save me an hour or two of work. Um, it'd be nice to just have a place where those all lived centrally. So it kind yeah. of was born out of this idea of um, trying to work more efficiently, work smarter, not harder, that kind of thing. Did you notice that these resources already existed elsewhere, but just lacked having like a common platform to find them? What yeah, was that process good, like for actually like question. aggregating these resources? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think part of the problem with um, in techcom is just the diversity of resources. Um, and so I think it's a lack of centralization. It's a pretty big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, so for example, with the user personas, you could go and you can, you can Google it and you can find a ton of different options and examples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but having, um, part of my vision for the repository, and I don't think it's there yet because it doesn't have enough traction, um, is to, to use user generated content to sort of self police the content. Right. So yeah. To, yeah. Um, to be able to just, um, have the community say, this is actually really, really good and helpful, uh, or to have the community say, here's sort of what's missing from this particular, uh, mm-hmm. resource, which you don't really get from, uh, just going on, um, you know, like the Nielsen Group's website and downloading your sure. template, you don't have sure. that sort of, um, community quality control aspect to it. Um, so that that was one problem. Um, and then the other, honestly, the other problem was um, for me, again, sort of selfishly, uh, academics um, don't tend to... Um, out of the goodness of their heart, share their resources in the way that um, like a Nielsen group would, right? So sure. you're not going to find someone that that just has their own website up that says, here's my syllabus and everything I use in this course. Um, mm. It's just harder to, th- those kinds of things are harder to come by. Um, and then, you know, I, I noticed um, I'm part of a variety of listservs. Um, email listservs, uh, and, and the one that's primarily for, um, instructors and professors of technical writing, uh, at the beginning of every semester, there's, there's a a handful of emails that go out with the same questions all the time. Um, does anybody have a syllabus for XYZ class? Does anybody Mm -hmm. have, um, an assignment for this type of project for XYZ class, right? So, Uh, Just noticing that there was a need um, in the academic community um, to share. share. There's a need and a willingness to share, but there was just no mechanism to do that. And we really see this duplicated in, I mean, almost every industry. Like I think about now, um, I work in municipal finance, and oftentimes local governments have to wait for like a state conference once a year to have these kinds of discussions. I mean... We see it in, in healthcare, where a lot of times, like local clinics, have to wait for like a new federal policy for there to be any kind of innovation, as opposed to what you're doing with this uh, crowdsourced TPC platform. We're really like tightening that feedback loop and allowing innovation to happen 
much quicker. And yeah, it's it's centralized, as in, you know, we're having all of these resources and discussions on one site, which makes sense. But it's a very much like decentralized learning environment where anyone in TechCom, if they feel like they have like a good discussion to share or a resource that's worked well from them, they have a place to share it and hopefully benefit others that find themselves in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. What do you think that'll look like on crowdsource TPC as you grow this platform and more tech writers want to share their resources? Do you think perhaps there might be some hesitancy at first and thinking, okay, like you shared this syllabus, don't really know much about it, don't know how it relates to my platform, or do you think, you know, that people in TechCom are going to have this understanding and this willingness and welcomeness to check out some of these new resources that they perhaps weren't familiar with? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for the most part, um, the feedback I've gotten from the community has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. Awesome. um, In that people love the idea of open source. Um, Yeah. People love the idea of just, just helping one another. I think people are on board with that. I think the hard part has been um, getting people to, um, I think it probably needs another layer of um, user testing. Cause I think there's something, there's a, there's a piece that's missing from the repository. Um, there's some communication that's getting lost uh, where people don't aren't realizing what's for like I know the we want to talk case, more about the side you know, itself. The Give us a few use cases use that initially come thing. to mind whenever you're putting right? this so together. So usually what happens is awesome. Yeah, so like I'll give you one from the academic perspective and then one from the practitioner perspective. So <laughs> from the academic perspective, it's it seems way more concrete to me. It seems like every semester, or if you're on the quarter system, every quarter, uh, you have to do, as a professor or an instructor, there's certain things you have to do. Um, And one of those things is to put together your syllabus, to put together your assignment descriptions, um, to put together your online course shell, if you have one of those. Um, And so those are just universal, like across all of the universities that offer courses and gotcha. communication um it's a universal problem everybody has to do this um and so the scenario in my head is and so every july or every august when someone's putting something together for the fall um, or every january when they're putting something together for the spring um going in and just going okay i'm teaching awesome. a course on ux um i'd like i'd love some ideas for a new a new project, you know, I'd love some ideas for, um, yeah, yeah, uh, to, to make, you know, to make it a little bit more interesting for students or something like that. And so it, the use case is pretty, it seems pretty concrete to me. Um, for practitioners, I think it's way, it's more abstract. I haven't really figured out how and when a practitioner would come to the site and actually, and actually use it. Um, but for, for myself as a practitioner, sort of, again, selfishly, um, one of the things that I've found myself using, uh, mm. using the platform, using the platform for is, 
um, like these starter WordPress templates. So I've got, um, uh, I build uh, custom WordPress themes for um, small, small and medium businesses around town. And um, all of them start with a core set of files. Um, all of them start with a core set of templates. <laughs> and so yeah. to just have that in a centralized space, um, is super helpful, right? Like you can have that on, obviously you can have that on a folder in your, on your desktop or whatever. Um, sure. Sure. But again, it's, I see the use cases like you're getting started doing something. Um, and you need a jump start to get started doing something. And then, I mean, sort of long-term vision as the field changes, because the field just continues to change and will continue to change pretty, pretty quickly. Um, my hope is that it would be a space for people who are further ahead in terms of like, okay, I'm using, I have experience in component content management and I've used these component yeah. content management systems. Um, I would want to help others who are just getting into that space where it's transitioning from, you know, like static um, document sure. management systems into these component content management systems. Well, that's, who knows how to do that? Who, what's the first step to do? Like, what are some examples of what that looks like? Well, the hope would be, um, yeah. And then contrast that, that to, you know, the, maybe someone can find similar information, to, you know, through a YouTube video, but that. you don't really have, you know, someone with you there to help kind of fill those scaffolds. Cause of course, with anything learned that we knew, we're going to have a lot of questions that follow that perhaps, you know, that YouTube video doesn't address. But again, with this, this active back and forth dialogue, um, to help someone, you know, adjust a particular struggle that they're having, yeah. um, I imagine would be incredibly helpful. And thinking back to, you know, there's someone who works in industry. Yeah, maybe um, a particular template or model um, maybe doesn't suit what they're looking for best. But I wonder if a platform like this could, you know, maybe help the person at Techcom ask the right questions. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, like maybe I work in, um, an API documentation and I want to know like, Hey, like what's mm -hmm. like the best, the best host for API documentation. You can tell I might be a little rusty in tech. <laughs> um, but instead of, you know, maybe the right question isn't, you know, what's the right platform, but instead kind of nudge people to mm -hmm. say like, okay, like what does your company do? What are your goals? Um, could you see a platform like this trying to help? kind of coach people to ask the right questions in techcom around their problem. Do you think that might relate a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so part of nice. something that I built into this, uh, yeah. into the site is, um, user forums, which have not been used quite yet, but, um, <laughs> the hope would be, that there would be a community around um, around the resources, um, that there would be, like you said earlier, a feedback loop, a way for um, people to bounce ideas off each other. Um, mm -hmm. And and currently there there are spaces where that exists, right? So yeah, um, there's a fairly um, there's a fairly healthy community on Twitter, um, technical communication. Uh, community on Twitter. I actually have a um, academic paper 
nice. out for review right now. Hopefully it'll come out at some point soon here in the next year um, about that community. Um, but there's, there's certain limitations to those conversations. And one of the things is um, you don't have access to the actual artifacts themselves. Sure. Like you can't, you can't have a conversation about actual deliverables or artifacts um, on Twitter. Um, whereas uh, the hope, like, again, and this is not a novel idea, but the hope is that the, the, yes. there would be spaces for um, discourse around the artifacts themselves. So every, every resource that gets yes. uploaded has, um, has a way that a user can rate its usefulness, has a way that you can comment on it, has a way um, that you can, yeah, that you can sort of make it better. Um, and, and, and the other thing that you can do on the site is that you can, nice. um, you can save resources for, um, for later. So you can save them and they get stored in uh, a space for you. And one of the things that Fantastic. I want to build out in the next couple months is a way to sort of make playlists around, yes. um, different resources, right. So to have a, have a playlist for API docs and have a playlist for web development and a playlist for design or whatever. So, um, it's slowly, I've been building things out kind of incrementally. Um, but that's mm -hmm. some of the things, some of the feedback I've been getting is like, yeah, it'd be really nice to yes, it's have an incredibly impressive platform. And what excites me most about it, and to be able to it's something that we're that trying space. to do here at strong tens as well. My current employer is that we're able to, you know, capture those in, in, insights and allow like everyone else to benefit from them. So, you know, we've been trying to build a community on, you know, Twitter as well. Um, we've shifted to some more forum-like platforms similar to um, CrowdSource TPC. But we learned through Twitter was, yes, it's great to, you know, like build rapport with fellow Falcon TechCom, but, you know, you might have this fantastic thread going, but the chances of like six months later, unless you happen to like mm -hmm. click the heart button on the very first tweet in that thread, like the chances of like going back and finding that interaction and being able to revisit those insights and perhaps share them with others becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. really challenging on a platform like that. So I totally see the benefit of CrowdSource TPC where, you know, we kind of document this resource mm -hmm. once. And then if anyone else is interested in it, like let's join them, let's invite them to this great party of existing conversation already happening around that resource. Um, love the concept, super excited to follow it. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about how this even works, you know? So I go to yep. crowdsource.tpc.com. Um, I want to find a resource. Uh, what am I looking at? How does this work, Chris? Yeah. So when you go, um, you can, you can have access to all the resources without, without any creating any account or anything like that. So if you just want to browse and download and actually use the resources, that is, uh, that's totally free and it doesn't require any sort of sign up. If you want to save resources and if you want to um, contribute to the repository, uh, you'll have to create an account. So if you just click register, you can create create an account. Um, another thing that I'm hopefully going to integrate in the next couple months is um, just single sign-on via Google um, because just having another login is a pain. So, um, but at, right now you'll have to create an account. Um, and once you create an account, you can um, 
you can add add resources. You can save resources. Um, so yeah, I mean it, the the interface is fairly straightforward. Um, it's actually a lot of the inspiration is borrowed from uh, a government um, website. Uh, I think it's OpenData.gov. I'm not sure for sure what the URL is, but it's something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the uh, I for me, and again, um, a lot of this was just built selfishly. So I, I kind of built it for myself and then thought, oh, I bet other people would find this useful. Um, so for me, the most helpful or important thing about this is just the, the tagging and categorization system. Um, so when you create a resource, you've got you'll have the opportunity to select any of the pre-existing categories. And those are all categories that users created themselves. Um, or you can add a new category. Um, and so really the idea that um, the users are generating the, the, um, the hierarchy uh, in, the, in the architecture of the site. Um, and so it's a simple little thing, but to... Um, just allow users to do that, um, I think is going to, in the long run, benefit um, how the thing's organized and, and how, uh, how, how the resources are sort of organized into different categories. Have you been surprised at all how some of the existing users are tagging their resources? Oh, totally. Like, are they tagging it in a way that you would not have expected? And can you totally. give an example? I'm totally. curious. Um, yeah, so... Um, here, let me just pull up. Let me just pull up one. There was a couple that Carolyn Miller uploaded, and Carolyn Miller is like a very, um, she's a big deal in, in academic circles. Um, so I was actually. Shout really out to excited. Carolyn Miller. Yeah, I was super excited. She actually um, was willing to, to add some stuff. Um, but she. She added things like, uh, she added a c c category called course design, um, mm. right? So like this is sort of getting into the academic weeds, but I had just envisioned, you know, these resources to be like, this is a syllabus or this is sure. um, uh, assignment description or this is a presentation. Um, but she was kind of thinking bigger going like, this is this will help you design entire courses. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. It was, and subsequently, other people have used that tag um, and stuff they've uploaded. Cool. Well, which is great. Cool. That um, is. But yeah, I've been. That sort of helped me think bigger too. Um, so one of the things that I really want to integrate too, and this is again mostly academic. So I would love to get feedback from practitioners into sort of what they would what they would like to see um, but I'm integrating um, I've got it about halfway done uh, the ability to um, basically embed entire Google Drive folders um, and so instead of uh, one of the things I'd envisioned is like sort of these standalone pieces which I hope will still um, get uploaded to the to the repository so things like a syllabus and an assignment sure. description and, um, you know, a, 
a, a template or something like that. Um, but then also what would be awesome is if people were willing to just share their entire courses. Wow. Um, so I've, I've just started um, doing that uh, where it's everything that I use in my courses, I'm going to put, I've put up one course so I far, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that for all my courses I love um, it. to just have just you know, every, every single sort of piece of content that I interact with in my yes. courses, I'm just going to make available. It um, adds that much needed context to the resource. <laughs> like yeah. say I'm, I'm a professor you know, maybe I need to have the whole story behind the resource. I want to know, you know, how it came to be. I want to know some possible use cases. I want to see examples of some activities. Fantastic. We got that going down in this file. On, yep. the, on the contrary, you might have a user who, you know, feels pretty good about, you know, the existing activities that they put together and they're just looking for a syllabus. Voila, got that too. So it allows the user to come in at different points. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so that for I like and I, like I was saying earlier, I think for te for teaching it makes so much more sense to me, but I really want to build out the um, sort of the workplace, the practitioner perspective and the um, and really um, be able to provide a service for for practitioners as well. Um, cuz one of the things I think um, really the long-term vision or long-term goal of this thing is to make um, the, the gap or, or the, the, the divide between academics and practitioners smaller. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, again, selfishly so that I can teach better, so that I can prepare students to go into the workplace in more sure. ways. Um, but I, you know, but to also, um, so that there would be this, like, I've got this vision of this sort of um, circular, cyclical relationship between academics and practitioners where we can go in here and we can see, here's the kinds of things practitioners care about. Here's what they're mm -hmm. producing. Here's the quality of uh, the artifact that they're producing. Um, all of that stuff. Whereas if we were just academics in our um, silos, we would just never have access to those things. I mean, one of the sure. biggest, one of the biggest problems any instructor will tell you is that they, uh, is finding good examples of the genres they're teaching, right? So wow. if I'm teaching a standing standard operating procedure, like you're just, you don't, you're just Googling it and you're just hoping sure. that you find one, um, that's usable. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas if I can get an actual procedure writer um, to contribute um, and provide some context about around what they're contributing and, you know, what makes it, what to look out for, or what makes it unique, um, that's valuable information. So I really, I really hope that it'll be a, a place where academics and practitioners can learn from each other um, and mostly a place where academics can learn from practitioners because there's really a missing, I think in my, my opinion, there's a missing component there to our teaching when it's disconnected from practice in that way. Yes, it sounds like it. And I'm overjoyed to be able to, to showcase this work that you've done. Um, I know you're fairly new to the game, but if folk check out crowdsource.tpc.com, 
we already find, I think it was already 60 plus resources. Last time I checked, we got a blog post there from Chris talking about, you know, why he created this platform. Um, so just overjoyed to push this out there and hopefully get more people sharing their own resources as well. Um, Chris, a, a final message, you know, say someone is listening to this podcast and, you know, they've had some of these like hard earned insights, you know, they've, they've gone through uh, some courses, they've, they've taught some classes, they feel like they have a good resource that others would benefit from, but perhaps because, you know, they haven't worked in a learning environment like this, they haven't really gotten, you know, feedback or been able to share resource um, beyond with maybe their colleagues and students. What would you say to that person who's sitting on a resource, perhaps, you know, a little hesitant to share it? What kind of encouragement would you have for them? We're just a better community when we're um, helping yeah. one another, you know, and so... Yeah. Um, You've benefited from, um, certainly benefited from the the insights and knowledge of the people who mentored you. And yeah. um, for younger technical communicators, for younger people getting into tech, really, um, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like uh, people are speaking a different language, right? There's this mm-hmm. sort of like insider knowledge that you have as someone that's been doing this for a while. Um that's not implicit to um, to someone who's new, and so uh, by sharing that, um, you're helping that person. And so I think there's there's something about um, there's something valuable in just um, doing things for the good of the community. And so, yeah. I mean, part of uh, part of what we are worried about is. Um, that our hard work and our knowledge that we've accrued over time, um, we, we worked hard. It costs us something to get it. Um, sure. But um, yeah, just think about the, the the people that were willing to um, share their knowledge with you, share their time with you, share their um, insights with you, and. Uh, think about how you can do that for someone else. So that's what be, that would be my, uh, my pitch. And, and really, um, I do, I think this thing will be useful. Um, it's mm-hmm. only got, we got 64 resources now. I, I would love, um, you know, 600, uh, yeah. 6,000. Yeah. Um, uh, and then once we reach a critical mass, I think people are going to start to, um, start to use it. So. And would it be appropriate to say that if a user, you know, has a working resource, um, would that be appropriate to share as well? Like maybe I'm working on a syllabus and I think this might be helpful, but I'm looking for that feedback. Could that be a potential resource someone could share as well on this platform? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I think um, that's the beauty of it is like it doesn't, I have an idea in my mind of what would be helpful, but I've already been proven wrong about Sure. Uh, what people are willing to to upload and what people think are helpful, what people think is helpful. So, um, yeah, I think that would be that would be a great thing, um, great thing to do. And and really, the only you know the only other thing I will mention is obviously, um, if it's proprietary and you don't want to share it, that makes good sense. But sure. Um, <laughs> so that's the only caveat I have. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, Chris, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time to 
share your latest project with us, the Crowdsource TPC uh, at crowdsource.tpc.com. Chris, thank you. I'm inspired. I know I'm going to bookmark this and put in my little tech comm tab on my computer. Keep an eye on it. Refer to it as needed. And I look forward to following along. It's going to be a really cool platform. Awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks again to Knowledge Owl, creators of the wonderful knowledge-based software for sponsoring the Not Boring Tech Writer podcast. And thanks so much to each of you for listening to this episode.